Y'all still okay? You got time? Y'all don't sound very convincing. Y'all still have time for the word of God? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. First Kings chapter 17, please. First Kings 17, very familiar passage to us. In fact, we've read this over the last uh, two weeks now. Tomorrow we begin our final week of our fast, the last seven days. Amen. If you've been wishy-washy, don't be wishy-washy the rest of this week. Don't, don't, keep, don't keep letting yourself off the hook. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We, these fasts, most of us are doing really, really easy fasts, really. Um, you look in the Bible, you know, we saw, who was that? That's uh, when Jonah went to Nineveh. The king of Nineveh said, nobody don't even taste anything, not even your animals. Dog could eat, your dog had to fast. Your goldfish, you better, you better do what you can. We're all fasting. So they were under, they were under this 40-day word that we're going to die in 40 days if nothing turns around. We read about Queen Esther. She commanded a fast. They knew they had 11 months. If we don't, something don't turn around in 11 months, we're going to die. See, and when you understand you need something serious turned around in your life, then you don't, you don't really play around fast. And, I, and you know, I'm, I'm going to just say this too. I'm going to say this too. And then we'll greet the word. I think we joke too much about it. We kind of joke too much. Oh, I'm struggling. Hey, you don't joke about this stuff. Because your, your body doesn't know you're joking. See? Everything, everything in your life is controlled by your words, your mouth. So when you j even joke about it, your words, they, they go to work. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're fasting. Get used to it. That's how we live. That's why we have, have one scheduled next month. And every month for the rest of this year. And in 2023, guess what we're going to do? Fast. We're going to fast. Amen? And you'll, you just watch how things change in your life. Amen? So let's not joke and tease about it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, 1 Kings 17. I'm going to shorten my reading a little bit for the sake of time. I'm going to start at verse 8. I'll read verse 8 and 9. And then we'll drop down to... Um, Verse uh, 13, okay? First Kings 17, 8, 9, you got it? Let's read together, ready to read. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Drop down, please, to verse um, 13. And I'm going to read verse 13 through 16. Okay, you got it? Okay, let's read together. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. 
For thus says the Lord, God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Today we're talking about how to walk into prearranged prosperity, how to walk into prearranged prosperity. Father God, thank you so much for what you have provided for us, what you've supplied for us today. Thank you for this word, this meal that is set before us. Lord, we set our cups out to receive, our hearts ready, uh, they're open to receive the word of God. Speak, Lord, give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech. God, give every one of us clarity of hearing today. And let, let the word of God that is preached, that is ministered to us, minister life to us, instruction, wisdom from on high. And we thank you that, God, everything that we hear will manifest in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. And all right, take your seats today. All right, you know, we've been talking about divine arrangements, right? Divine arrangements. This is a year of divine arrangements. Uh, as I share with you, even what we experienced on Friday night and Saturday was uh, divinely arranged by God. As we're getting ready to embark upon this uh, movement here in, a, in a, just a couple weeks here, Jesus changed my life. God divinely arranged for a man of God to call me and said he wanted to, you know, if we're open to it, want to come teach about uh, evangelism and sharing our testimony. And that's what the whole thing is about. And so God divinely arranges things. And that's what we're, I'm telling you, God is doing all this year. All this year, God has already set up encounters for us, events in our lives that he will use to usher us into the next dimension of our lives. Are you hearing me this morning? God already has things set up for you. Amen? Now, I, let's go over a scripture that we saw, Psalm 37, 23. You know it by now, right? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Come on. He delights in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered. I gave you that word ordered, right? In the Hebrew, the word kun, K-U-W-N, which means to be prepared. It means to be arranged, be settled, and so forth, all right? But the most part, the part I want you to notice is this part, to be arranged. So the steps of a good man are arranged by the Lord. So God has arranged your steps. It, it, I can't tell you how it did my heart uh, between last, this past Tuesday, we recorded some testimonial videos, and then Friday night, and then yesterday to hear testimonies about uh, people, how God, uh, how things changed even when you came to this church. So as a pastor, you got to know, I'm just, I'm moved by that. Because, you know, as a pastor, I'm preaching the word and, and, and I, I'm doing things, but it, it's wonderful for me to know the impact that the ministry has on your lives. I was sharing with, with my brother the other day, my, my brother Warren, we, he was in town and uh, still, and uh, he was, I was sharing with him that, you know, honor is good. We, we're supposed to honor. And I told him I appreciate how, you know, this church, you all honor me in such a special way you all do. You mean, with offerings and all those things you all do. I mean, anniversary comes around, birthday comes around, Christmas, all those kind of things you all honor me. I said, but Warren, you know, above all that, the greatest way people can honor me is by doing what I teach. Children, if you want to honor your parents, it's more than yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Is you do what they tell you to do. You live the way that they demonstrate in front of you. 
I wish I had a few more amens on that. And so what honors me most, more than any kind of money, any kind of gift, y'all can buy me a Rolls Royce, and that would be wonderful, but what will honor me more than a Rolls Royce is to see y'all driving Rolls Royces. And you say, I'm driving this Rolls Royce because I'm doing what the man of God taught me to do. You got it? So, so when I hear that God divinely arranged for you to be here and how your lives have changed, that's powerful. And when you realize that, then you don't let um, a thousand wild horses drag you out of here. I heard people say that. A thousand wild horses won't, can't drag me out of here. Yeah, but it's that, that thousand and one. <laughs> it was that other one. Right? You don't, you don't disconnect because you got to realize your steps are ordered. And we can't live this life where we're, we're ordering our own steps. Because you do that, you got to make your own way. But when we let the Lord direct our steps, we let the Lord order our steps, let the Lord arrange our steps, he delights in our way. And that's what I want is for him to delight in my way. Give me a psalm, I'm off script here, Psalm 25 and around verse 14. Psalm 25 and around verse 14. This is just kingdom in the spirit. Give, give me that whole chapter, but can, can you show me the verses, the verse next to that, 24 and 14 and 15? There's a word I'm looking for. Go back to 13 and 14 then. Maybe it's 13. That's it. It's in the right section. I'm in the right section. I'm, I'm on the right street. I just want to hit the right house. Hallelujah. Verse 12. Verse 12. That's it. That whole section is good. Verse 12. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Right here. This, this half, y'all got it. That half didn't do nothing. Who is it that fears the Lord? Right here. It says, him shall he teach in the way he chooses. So God chooses a way for us. And what gets us in trouble, Christopher, is that when we choose our own way, we get in trouble. And when you get tired of bumping your head, when you get tired of failure after failure after failure, you got to say, God, I don't know what in the world I'm doing. God, I have no clue what I'm doing. I keep messing up. I've had enough of messing up. I've had enough of failure. I've had enough of letdowns. I've had enough disappointments. Because God is not a God of disappointments. So if I fear him, reverence him, honor him, then he'll teach me in the way he chooses. Y'all got it? So then Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps then of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. So Lord, order my steps. Order my steps. Each step God orders, listen to this very carefully. You might want to write this down and take a picture of it. Each step God orders is connected and consequential to his plans for your life. It's worth me saying that 10 times. Each step God orders, remember he's ordering our steps now, is connected 
and consequential to his plans for my life. You know, Jeremiah 29, verse 11 in NIV, God says, if I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a future to hope, right? Not to harm you, not to do you evil, to do you good, right? So God has plans for our lives. We know there's an expected end. It says in the King James of Jeremiah 29, 11, there's an expected end. So God speaks the end from the beginning. So God, God is showing you, trying to show us as much of the end as we can handle. I'll tell you that. Because he hadn't shown you your end yet. You, you couldn't handle your end yet. Are y'all alive today? You couldn't handle if God showed you your end yet. It fry your brain. You have no clue. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man of things that, that God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. Right? Verse 10, but he's revealed those things to us by his spirit. Right? So God has revealed things to us by his spirit. We can't handle the end, but he has plans for our lives. And so the end plan must have some steps along the way. How many of y'all have put together a puzzle? I was going to ask how many of y'all built a house, but many of us haven't built houses. But you put together a puzzle. And when you put together that puzzle, you see on the box a picture of the end. Or you put together a bicycle. Christmas nights, birthday, Eve, you know. You put together a bicycle or some, men ever, I'm sorry. Everybody, you ever put together furniture? I don't mean to imply just men do this because everybody does. And you, you know the end, but you have to go back to the directions and get step one. Now, if you've been like me and thought you knew everything, sometimes you just look at the picture and say, I can do this right here. Right? I've done it. I know you've done it too. And, and don't realize, wow, I should, I should not have skipped that step. See, each step is connected and consequential. So you can't go from step one to step four because you needed step two and step three. So each step that God orders is connected. So God doesn't, he may tell you the plans, but he doesn't tell you all the steps. He's going to tell you the first step. Go down that road. Go to school. Take ground school class. If God told you to take ground school class, Miss Hattie, and you're going to be an evangelist, you would have said, oh, no, I ain't going to ground school because I ain't going to be no evangelist. One day I called I call Miss Hattie by accident, and she was freaking out. Oh, Lord, Pastor. Oh, Pastor. Oh, I said, I, said, I, no, I just wanted you to, we're going to do a video at the church. She said, oh, I thought you was calling me to preach. I'm like, hallelujah. Are you going all the way there? so scared. No, I just, I didn't even mean to call you. <laughs> Praise God. No, see, God, he doesn't tell us all the steps. So I got to take this first step. And the reason why many of us uh, sometimes have such a delay in our manifestation is because we're trying to uh, skip steps or the step God told us, we're not doing it. 
Because we didn't know that that little step was consequential. Well, you know what it means, consequential. It means, it means something. It has an impact. It's, this isn't just a frivolous step God's giving you. When God told you, just go, go, go clean the toilets. You just, you, you, I'm doing that. That was consequential. That's beneath me. Well, that's the stuff you miss, and you're going to put the, put the bicycle together and don't have that bolt right there, and your seat going to be all wobbly, and you're going to fall because you missed that step. See? So each step God orders is connected. Everybody says it's connected. And consequential. So the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Got it? Romans 4.12 says that you and I are supposed to be walking in the steps of the faith of Abraham. Walk in the steps of the faith of Abraham. Now we look at Abraham at his end, wealthy, live long, father of many nations. But God didn't, God didn't do all that at one time. God told him, I'm going to make your name great, I'm going to bless you and everything. But then he gave him steps. And the Bible says you and I are supposed to walk in the steps the faith of Abraham. But what's the step? He went out not knowing. So Hebrews 11 says, Abraham, when he was called out, he went out not knowing where he was going. Well, why did he go out not knowing where he was going? Because God told him to go out. I don't know where I'm going, but he just told me to go out. That's what Jaquetta just testified about how that night she went to church. God said, I got something for you. Go to church. Because she could have just said, no, I'm not going to go. I don't have no gas. I got these children. It's cold. We over here in Decatur. It gets cold. I know, know y'all cold. It's cold here. No, it ain't, this ain't Decatur cold. Only the love of cold and you got four little kids and no gas in your car. But that was a step. You just, you just go there. I don't have any gas. Just go. Get in the car and don't look at the light. The kids all looking, oh, look at what we're going to do. Finally, you just got to cover the light up. Some of y'all need to cover those warning lights up. And do what God tells you to do. Well, I don't know the next step. You ain't got to go to know the next step. Just do the step he told you. Knowing that each step is connected and consequential. Some of y'all, God just told you, just get to that church. I was listening to this man of God preaching this morning, and boy, I was getting just, mm, mm, mm. Uh, stirred up at the same time, but I was like, mm, okay, now I understand. Because he talked about, this, this, he's a, this guy, we would call him a major prophet, I mean, in terms of his, his level of prophecy. I mean, just sharp, sharp to the nth degree. And, but he says one day, I thought, this just helped me so much. He said, you know, when I stand up here and I call somebody out, God says, see that person right there, or call that name. He said, call Susie. He said, you know, I have no clue what's going to happen next. He said, y'all think I'm, I'm got, I got a word. He said, I don't have a word. I don't have anything. All, all I heard him say was call Susie out. And I thought, dog, I just missed that last week when God, remember y'all, God told me Bob. First of all, I don't know who, which one is Bob. And then what am I going to tell Bob? See, each step is connected and consequential. Oh, 
I said, call, call your mama. I don't want to talk to my mama. So you just missed a step. Y'all getting this? Okay. All right. So, again, walking the steps of the faith of our father, Abraham. So what happened? When God told him in Genesis 12, 1, I want you to get out of your country from among your own people, go to a place and all that kind of stuff, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to land, I will show you. Put that up in Genesis 12, real quick. Genesis 12, uh, verse uh, 2. Start at verse 2. He said, I'll make, make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. We know from, from uh, Hebrews, he said, go, you don't go to a land, I will show you. All right, now, he begins to take those steps. Take those steps. Take those steps. Next thing you know, he ends up and, and he's in Egypt. And he walks out of Egypt loaded. By the time you get to Genesis 13 too, he's extremely rich. That's what Amplified says, extremely rich. And he goes on and you know he, his, his, he ends up splitting from a uh, lot. And he keeps on going further. Down the road, he gets his son named Isaac. Right? And in the 22nd chapter of Genesis, God tells, tells Abram, Abraham by now, I want you to now go and sacrifice your son, your only son, Isaac. Now, remember, I'm teaching about walking into prearranged prosperity. So he gets there, and he says, I want you to sacrifice your son, Isaac. So, he, so this don't make any sense, but I'm following the steps. It's just, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how this is going to get me my great nation. All I know is he told me I'm going to be a great nation. Seemed to me like this step don't make any sense because this is my seed. You're telling me to kill him. But if you said there's going to be a great nation, my faith says you're going to have to raise him up. That's what Hebrews, the book of Hebrews said. That Abraham did receive this son raised. Because he considered that God could raise him up, even if he slayed him. So if it doesn't make sense to you, don't let sense stop you. Every step is connected and consequential. Some of y'all not listening to what I'm saying. You need to understand this because so many times we're, we're trying to get ahead of God and moving way down the road and most of us aren't ready yet for down the road. Do you know how much character it takes to drive, you know y'all going to be driving these Rolls Royces I talked about, right? You know how much care it takes to, to drive the Rolls Royce and still come to church on Sunday? You know how much care it takes to live in your big old seven bedroom, eight bathroom mansion, six car garage, and still get up and come to church on Sunday and not just be, and not look down on other people? Not pull up at the at the traffic light and be looking at other people because they got duct tape on their car. And you say, 
So God has to take us through these steps of development to get us to our end. Got it? Abraham went through all that. So he gets to Genesis 22, and he's going to sacrifice his son, and all of a sudden the angel says, hey, 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 don't do it. You remember what happened? He said, look over there. And in the thicket, in the bushes, God had arranged prearranged for this ram to have it to, to come up that mountain. He might have come up the mountain at the same time Abraham did on the other side. That as Abraham was going up the mountain, here comes that ram going up the mountain. going to meet him there. Some doors don't open until you get there. Right? The pass is going to be right there on you. That's a, in football, we call it a timing pattern. When the quarterback throws the ball to a, to a receiver, he's throwing it to a spot. In, in, in Genesis 22, glory to God. Tell your neighbor, you got to get to the spot. And normally, normally, Elder Baker, when, when a, when a receiver's going to go out on a timing pattern, he, he's already measured his steps. How many steps? Y'all ever watch? Y'all watch football? There were two playoff games yesterday in the NFL. Both of them were won on field goals. Both games were won on field goals. You ever watch the, the field goal kicker when, he, when they set up? He does this. One, two, three, four. Then. Every single time. Now it makes sense to me if he's right here, he knows it's going to be right there, just go right there, go like that. But I'm not a kicker. I don't know the procedures and the process. Kickers. Every single time. They've got to get to there. In the 22nd chapter of Genesis, oh, God. Verse 2, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Ooh. Verse 4, on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Oh, my God. Look over here at um, verse 8. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Verse 9. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. He had to arrange the wood. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. He said to him, here I am. Don't lay your hand on the lad or do anything to uh, him, for I know now, I now, now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your best sacrifice, your best seed, your best time, 
My talents. Verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. There. Now can I say something about there? Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called God. No. He called the name of there. The place. Jehovah Yireh. As we say Jehovah Jireh. So it wasn't that God's name was called Jehovah Jireh. The place. For there the Lord sees and provides. When you get to the spot. How are you going to get to the spot? Step by step by step. Tell your neighbor, you're getting there. <laughs> Some people are frustrated because I ain't. I ain't I'm, it's just, no, you're getting there. Just keep obeying. Hallelujah. So God arranged this provision for Abraham. This is what God is doing for us. Okay? So, uh, Ephesians 1 and verse 11. Ephesians 1 verse 11. We read this already. That God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Right? He works all things. So that means he's ordering your steps to get to the place, but he's also arranging all things so that when you get to the right place, all things are in place. Can you believe that? Can you believe that while you're sitting in here at 1240 in the afternoon, God is arranging things already right now for you while you're sitting here? Hebrews 1.14 says that angels, they are all ministering spirits sent forth the minister for those who are heirs of salvation. So angels right now working on your behalf, setting things up for you. That when you and I do what I'm teaching you here today, God is going to have things set up. When you get there, some of you are going to arrive to work tomorrow and find things have been rearranged. Before this month is out, you're going to find some things have been rearranged in your favor. Why? Because I heard God, I obeyed his voice, and I followed the steps that he's given me in my life. My steps are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in my way. I fear the Lord, and he's leading me in the way that he chooses for my life. I submitted my will to him. Somebody say that. I submitted my will to him. See, when you and I submit our wills to God, he says, now nah, I can do something. As long as we keep bucking, bucking and fighting, boy, we're going to be in trouble. Y'all got this here. Okay. So he's working all things according to the counsel of his will. So he's ordering my steps and working all things. Ordering my steps and working all things. Ordering my steps. And working all things. He's working on you and he's working for you. 
He's working on you, and he's working for you. He's working on you, and he's working for you. Even when you go to sleep, he's still working for you. That's why I know even while you're sitting here this morning, this afternoon, he's still working for you. Working what? All things. Hallelujah. All right, now, in uh, Psalm 31, verse 14 and 15, Psalm 31, verse 14 and 15. But as for me, my trust, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. How many of y'all say he is your God? All right. I say you are my God. Verse 15. So since you are my God, my times are in your hand. My times are in your hand. The course of my life is in your hand. The plans for my life, they're in your hand. I'm not in control of my life. I'm not the governor of my life. Okay? Now look over at verse 19. Skip to verse 19 for me, please. Watch what it says. Can y'all read? Remember, my, my, we trust in him. Our times are in his hand. Now watch. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up. For those who fear you. Now remember the one who fears him, he's going to teach him in the way he chooses. So there's goodness, everybody shout goodness. goodness. That is laid up for those who fear him, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. Hello? Now I got to help all the religious folk. Because they think, oh, yeah, he goes, goes away to prepare a place for me. That where he is, I may be with him also. He's, he's away preparing a place. He's prepared a heaven. No, he said in the presence of the sons of men. The goodness God has prepared for you is right here. Some of y'all ain't getting it. Not when you get over yonder. Oh, over yonder is going to be wonderful, but I won't write right here over here. Well, he said he has goodness laid up and prepared for us in the presence of the sons of men. Isn't that what the psalmist said in Psalm 23? You prepare a table before me in the presence. That's right here. Somebody shout prepare. You realize how, much things, how many things God has prepared for you? Put up 1 Corinthians 2.9. I, I just quoted it here a minute ago. I want you to see with your own eyes. 1 Corinthians 2.9. Glory to God. Glory to God. But as it is, it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of men the things which God has what? Prepare for those who love him. Goodness prepared for us. Now let me help you with something here. Let me help you with something. How many of y'all know what your prefix is? All your HBCA students and everybody your prefixes. What does pre mean? Before. Before. What does pair mean? To what? Not together. I heard it. I thought I heard it. To cut. A paring knife. 
P-A-R-E is cut. To cut. The wheels are spinning. Pre, before, cut. So God has goodness pre-cut for you. Now, I don't know if y'all understand what pre-cut means. You can buy a suit off the rack. Nothing wrong with that. But you can also have a suit that's pre-cut, that's cut for you. And when it's cut for you, nobody else can fit it. We sing songs like God's got a blessing with your name on it. Yeah, it's pre-cut for you. I'm going to help somebody, you, some of you single folk. God has a spouse pre-cut for you. Now, when you get a pre-cut, you ain't got to go and try in the fitting room trying to fit everything on, trying to try stuff on. You ain't got to try on Tom and try on Dick and try on Harriet, try on Susie and try on Betty and try on... God did not... He don't have a department store for you. I wish I had a few more hallelujahs on that. Tailor made just for you. Oh boy. Because it's somewhere I want to get in here. I, I, got, I know where I want to get in here because I want to show you. It's a big point and I want to make because don't forget what I said about things being pre cut for you. Pre cut. And if that's how he works, then he has a lot of things to pre cut. Houses. pre-cut for you. The one that's not just you're going to like it, but it actually works for you. How many of you know everything you like doesn't necessarily work for you? I've seen women buy shoes because they like them. And within an hour, they <laughs> flipping them things off. I watched my wife buy a brand new pair of shoes, wore them one time and gave them away just to take these things. Went home barefoot. Pretty, I mean, I remember the beautiful shoes. This thing tore our toes up so bad. I bet y'all don't know that they, that they make custom shoes. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. You can buy custom shoes. A cobbler will custom cut them for your foot. I want anybody to believe God can do that for you. I mean something. We keep going where God's taking us. We're not going to be wearing no off-the-rack shoes and off-the-rack clothes and off-the-rack suits and off-the-rack nothing. Not, no, not, not even a car that's already on the lot. 
Y'all ain't saying nothing back to me. Ain't gonna go to the Just give me what you got left over. You about? Uh, no, I'm about. No, I want this spec and I want this spec. I want. To, they'll say, sir, it'll be six months. But what happened to you? say I'm going to do that too because that looks fun no 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 you're going to get in there and you're going to frustrate them and you God has particular things for you he has set he has appointed people in the body as he will everybody can't be a greeter it's funny everybody every, everyone been coming to church I'm going I'm to just be a greeter I'm going to just be a greeter because that's easy Boy, let me tell you something. You are not a greeter. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, now. So goodness is laid up for me. Let me keep going here. So based on this, God doing things his way, I must agree to never be the governor of my own life. I'm not the governor of my own life. Okay, God's the governor of my life. He's the one that directs things for my life. Okay? You and I have to give up our governorship of our lives. Okay? I'm not the governor. I'm the governed. I'm governed by his spirit. I'm governed by the word of God. Too many people saying amen on that. Amen. My life is governed by the word of God. Yes. Ephesians 2.10. Let let's see one more thing about here. Something being prepared here. In the Amplified Classic. We are God's own hand to work his workmanship. Recreated in Christ Jesus. Born anew that we may do those good works. Which God predestined. Planned beforehand for us. Watch this again. Remember talking about him ordering our steps. Oh, this is so good. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm conveying this to y'all strong enough that God is ordering our steps, ladies and gentlemen. I can't, I, can't, I can't work at McDonald's and be no fry guy. If God tells you to work at McDonald's and be a fry guy, you better work at McDonald's and be a fry guy because he's ordering your steps. He might want you to have the whole franchise, but you, got, you can't skip past the fries skipping past the fries got dreams of driving a big car dreams of having a big house and God said yeah that's my dream for you start at the fries I can't do that but you can't have that either not God's way and if you're not doing it God's way you have to do it your way and when you do it your way you got to pay for it your way and struggle with it your way and it's going to be a curse and not a blessing tooting your nose up at these little steps 
the Bible says, despise not the day of small beginnings. And so many people have pipe dreams but won't start at the small beginnings. I'm shouting, boy. One of the things we got to do is break that whole pride devil. That whole heartedness devil that's. Thank you, Jesus. Because God has, has paths that he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. And when you walk in those prepared paths, we live. I know y'all tired of the scriptures. I use it all the time. Live the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. It's a pre-cut. I was going to bring it back out. It's a pre-cut path, a pre-cut life. Everybody, everybody doesn't take the same path to the big house. The same path to the dream manifestation. You take the path that he sets you on. That's why we tell people here, hey, don't, don't follow our actions, follow our faith. Now, our actions are, you can, you can follow them, that we're not going to do any wrong actions, but the action, God, God may not tell you to, to walk around the, the wall seven days. That was God's instruction for, for, for Jericho, for Joshua. So you're going to go to the house, big house you want, and you're going to walk around the house seven days. Boy, neighborhood police, gonna, gonna, they're going to call us. God may tell you to speak to it. See, so you got to take the path that he puts you on, and when you do that, you'll live the good life he's prepared, pre-cut, pre-arranged for you. I got it? All right. Okay, now, 1 Kings 17. That's our main scripture here. 1 Kings 17. Let's look at what happened here. And y'all know this story by now, right? We were on this scripture all of first all of uh, 2020, because God spoke it to us December 22nd, 2019. Right? So I don't need to elaborate on it. If you don't know it, you have time to read it at home. What you have here is Elijah, the man of God, proclaiming a drought because of the sins of people, the people under Ahab. And, but God tells him, I'm going to take care of you. You're my man of God. You're my servant. I'm going to take care of you. He says, first, go down to the brook Cherith, right? Look at verse, verse 2. The word of the Lord came to him saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into Jordan. It shall be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you where? There. there. So he had to get to there to the right spot, and God said, I've commanded some ravens to feed you. So God has a whole army of ravens that's going to bring you bread in the morning and bread at night. You read the story, that's what they did. This bread, they were snatching off Jezebel's table. They were. They were snatching this, Jezebel and all those, those bell worshipers, they worship ravens. Ravens are part of their, of their ritualistic worship. Witches, they were, they were in all kind of evil. And so God used those same evil birds 
get the food off of Jezebel's table that she's feeding all the false prophets. That's what this government system doing. They're trying to feed all the false prophets to stay home. Feed all the false prophets. Y'all don't preach anything worth anything. Don't show my people their transgression. That's what, that's what the government's trying to do to people. Keep you living with a tax incentive so you don't ever say anything wrong. Don't mention anything about gender and homosexuality and abortion and all these things. Don't mention that. But God took those same ravens and fed his true prophet. You and I are true people of God. And God has things set up for us to take care of us in the midst of all the drought in this world system. You got it? Okay, now let's get to this other point here, verse 8. Verse 8, because in verse 7 tells us that the brook dried up. Okay? Verse 8, the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, here's the big part, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So what did he have to do? He had to arise and go to Zarephath. Now, he couldn't just say, no, I like this brook. I finally got used to this brook. I'm going to stay here at this brook because this is where the ravens have been taking care of me. See, you got to understand that you can't lock God into your little box of how he's done things before. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you know the tendency that people have? Because I, I notice it happens in our church. It probably, you know, might have, people think this way. Well, last Sunday, boy, you saw how God moved in church, boy. God moved that way. And so what they do, before church, let's play the same song. Everybody remember where you were standing last week? Let's stand the same direction. Let's, we're going to do everything the same way because we're going to get, we're going to see if we can get, get God to do the same thing this thing he did last Sunday. God said, nope, I refuse to do that. You can't peg me. I'm God. You can't lock me down. I'm God. Just when you think you know me, I'm going to show you something totally different. God said, today, no, I'm dealing with fornicators. I'm going to set my people free. That's just as powerful as what God did last week. See? So Elijah could have said, no, I'm going to stay at this brook because, now the brook dried up. He can see that. He didn't need a word from the Lord that the brook dried up. He can see the brook's dried up. And many times, people can be in a situation and see that your brook is dried up, but you're just so comfortable there and staying there. And you're waiting on God, I need a word. I need a word. You see the brook dried up. But I'm going to just, I, I like that. This is what a rave is. This, God, I met you right here. This is how you showed up. But watch what happens. When God tells Elijah to go to Zarephath, he also tells the raven, stop. Elijah didn't leave and the ravens kept on bringing bread and meat like, where's Elijah? Where's Elijah? <laughs> Only reason the ravens were even coming because God said, come there. They were under command. So God knows how to command that previous area of provision to dry up. 
and the same folk who you have been relying on and depending on to do things for you, God knows how to tell them stop. Don't do it anymore. Ooh. I got a question for y'all. What, what y'all gonna do now that the Joe money stopped? See, everybody got so used to it. every month, here come the Joe money, here come the Joe money, and then January, you're looking for it. I know it's supposed to be right here, right about the 14th. The Joe money's supposed to be here. My, my little child care tax child care tax credit supposed to be here. It ain't in my account. Come on, let me check my account again. Boom, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't. See, you got to be able to move on. You got to go to the next place God tells you. Every step God orders is connected and consequential. So God says, arise and go to Zarephath. He says, because I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you there. So you got to get to there, Elijah. And then, Elijah, this ain't going to make no sense, but I've commanded a widow woman. Now, anybody in their mind knows widows don't have no money. How do a widow going to take care of me? She didn't. She didn't have anything to take care of him either. She didn't have it. She didn't have anything to take care of the man of God. Her provision didn't come till he got there. We'll come on this side. Her provision, her prosperity didn't hit her life until he got there. He had to obey God. And she had to obey God. When they both obeyed God, they made a connection. May God send those in your life that he's commanded to sustain you. May they obey God and may you obey God. And when you get there, God's going to bless both of your lives this year in the name of Jesus. There are people that God has dispatched for you. I wish I had more believers this morning. I wish I had more believers that God has dispatched some people for you. Remember I told you this is the year God told me of divine arrangements. So God is arranging. Matter of fact, he has arranged people, encounters, and events to happen that if we stay well, I'm, I, I know I'm trying to get to. It's, it's one o'clock. Y'all got a little more time? We, we've, oh, Jesus. I just heard something here. I want to say it. Ah, but I don't want to skip too far ahead. Because it's not in my notes. So let me just say it, because it's not in my notes. You and I must become totally fluent in the Holy Ghost. Y'all act like I just said my ABCs. I just said something so powerful. You and I must become fluent in the Holy Ghost. What does fluent mean? Just in, in basic definition, it means flowing. Fluency. I was, I was taking, I took Spanish in middle school. I took Spanish in high school. And I, I graduated from high school not fluent in Spanish. 
I was taking Spanish in Bible school last semester. I didn't finish. I'm not finished yet. And all that time, I'm still not fluent in Spanish. So I'm not going to go. So nobody could call on me and depend on me to help them navigate a, a Spanish restaurant. Or to go on a tour of a Spanish-speaking country. You couldn't depend on me. And, and since I'm not fluent, I'm not going. Y'all hear what I said? Since I'm not fluent, I'm not going. Because I, I wouldn't know how to get around. I'd be lost. I'd end up hungry. So I couldn't order nothing. And the reason many of us have not gotten to where God planned for us to be that place is because we've not become fluent in the Holy Ghost. But I declare this year, through this fast, every fast we're having, your life is changing and you are becoming every day more and more fluent in the Holy Ghost. You speak Holy Ghost. Somebody shout, I speak Holy Ghost. I can read Holy Ghost. I can comprehend Holy Ghost. And when he speaks, I'm not lost. And I would not be lost when I go to there. I would not be lost when I go to my next place. I would not be lost when I go to my next chapter. I would not be lost when I go to my, my next level and my next dimension. I would not be lost because I'm becoming more and more every day fluent in the Holy Ghost. And I don't mean your eloquence in speaking in tongues. I'm talking about you learning the language of the Spirit. Learning how he flows, learning how he speaks, learning how he operates, moving with him, moving with him. Ah, Jesus. Now, watch this. Watch this. Because, oh, Jesus. He, he gets down here and, and he says, okay, I've commanded with a woman to sustain you, to provide for you there, to provide for you there. So he arose and went to Zarephath. See, he did it. Somebody say he did it. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, just to show, show enough, just like God said, he didn't even have to get in the city. He didn't even step foot in the city yet. And right there at the gate, just so happened, deep, just so happened, at the time he arrives, here comes this widow woman, because she's commanded. Now, you know, theologians, we can argue about this, but we don't know, because this woman of Zarephath, she wasn't a servant of God. She commanded and she don't even know it. Y'all missed what I just said. Y'all missed that. How, how many of y'all caught what I just said? She is commanded and she don't even know it. There are people God's going to use to take care of you and bless you and help increase you and promote you and promote your business and your ministry and your affairs, everything about you, and they don't even know it. They're just going to call you and say, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I just it just came to me to do this. It didn't just come to you, baby. You are under divine commandment and you don't even know it. 
I guess you know she didn't serve God. God ain't talking to her. You know, the Bible says that God commands the stars. Stars don't even have ears. So how are they under God's command? He commands the starry host. How are they under God's command? How do the ravens, ravens don't have souls and spirits to hear and Obey and disobey, they just, they just, so this woman didn't even know it, but she's under command. When she's under command, God is ordering her steps. She didn't even know it. That she happens to arrive at the gate of the city at the exact time. She was going to be there. 30 minutes earlier, but her cousin stopped by. Can y'all see what I'm talking about? God set it up, prearranged. Okay, let me hurry up get into this. I'm losing my audience. So, you know the story, right? That uh, he says to her, hey, give me some water, a little water in a cup, and she says, okay, all right, I'm going to go get that. And then he said, please bring me a morsel of bread. That's verse 11 in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, as the Lord your God, not the Lord our God, not the Lord my God, the Lord your God. You see that? She don't know God. As the Lord your God lives, I do not have, have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did. according to the word of Elijah, and watch what happens to her life. And she and he and our household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. All right, now, let me go through this very quickly. What does it take to walk into prearranged prosperity? What does it take to walk into prearranged prosperity? Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your understanding all your ways and knowledge him and what will happen. So I got to trust in the Lord. Okay? So number one, I got I to trust in the Lord. How do I know I'm trusting the Lord? I don't do anything until he tells me to. Somebody tells me to. I'm not making decisions based on my own understanding. Hallelujah. Based on my own budget. Oh boy, y'all don't like that part. I'm not even deciding things based on my own budget. I'm not deciding things based on my own comfort level. I'm not making decisions based on what's convenient. 
I'm trusting in him with all my heart, and I don't lean to my own understanding. In all of my ways, big ones and little ones. In all my ways, I'm acknowledging him. As a result, now he's going to direct my paths. Now, what's the path now? These paths that have been prepared ahead of time. The path that he chooses. Got it? So he's going to direct my path. Okay? All right. Now, here we go. Once he directed my path, what do I do? John 2 verse 5. They ran out of wine. The mother, Jesus went to him and said, hey, they have no wine. And Jesus said, what has it got to do with me? It's not my time yet. She just disregarded that and said, his mother said to, his, to, to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. So first thing you got to do after you've put your trust in him and now God's directing your path, which he's doing. Now I'm assuming if you're here, you've already said, God, I trust you. You've already said, God, I'm leaning on you. Not I'm on understanding. I don't, I don't know nothing. I know that's not proper English, uh, Laquanda, but that's just how it works for me. I don't know nothing. I'm too stupid for my own good. I'm a dumb sheep. Lord, you got to lead me. When I was leading myself, I kept messing up. When I was leading myself, I kept running out. When I was leading myself, I, I kept running into trouble. Kept bumping my head, and I, I got tired of that. So now I've decided, whatever he says to me, I'm going to do it. Why? He's directing my path. Remember now, every step is connected and consequential. So when he tells me to do something, whatever he says, I'm going to do it, even if it doesn't make sense. They ran out of wine, right? Fill the water pots with the water. Uh, sir. Water isn't the problem. We ran out of wine, wine. Say wine, Lord, wine, Lord, wine. The Lord's saying water. We got a wine problem. Maybe the Lord hard of hearing. He said, fill the water pots with water to the brim. Well, what is that going to do? How is that going to help us with our wine problem? Every step is connected and consequential. When they did that, after they, they filled the water pot with the wine, he said, draw some out now and then take it to the governor of the feast. He didn't skip from fill the water pot to take it to the governor of the feast. Or he didn't skip from take, fill the water pot and then give it to everybody. He said, fill the water pot, and then he said, draw some out now. Next step. So they couldn't skip all the steps. Uh, put up uh, Luke 5 and verse 5, I believe it is. Luke 5, verse 5. But Simon answered. Remember the disciples, this is before their disciples. They got their fishing. They ain't caught anything. They haven't caught anything. They haven't caught anything. They fished all night and haven't caught anything. Everywhere they went, the fish left. Everywhere they went, the fish left. Well, I don't know if y'all get this. 
prearranged prosperity. And he said, Simon answered, because he told him, launch out your nets into the deep, let down, let, you know, let, down, let down your nets for a drought. Master, we've toiled all night and have caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Verse five, verse six says this, and when they had done this, and when they had done this, and when they had done this, done what? Launch out into the deep. First step, let down your nets for a draw. Second step. When they had done this, what happened? They caught a great number of fish. Where those fish come from? Those fish have running, been running from them all night long. But God, by his divine command, commanded more fish than they could scrape up in three days to all gather in that one spot. Y'all don't believe this yet. The 21st chapter of John, put up John 21. Let's start at verse, uh, uh, let's start at verse 2. Take a time. Well, I'm about to start at verse 1. John 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the, to the disciple at the sea of Tiberias, and in, the way, and in this way he showed himself. Verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana, blah, 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 all the disciples, they were together. All right, verse 3, Simon Peter said to him, I'm going fishing. They said, we're going, going with you also. They went fishing all night, and they caught what? Nothing. Verse 4, verse 4, when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, and yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Verse 5, then Jesus said, children, have you any food? Y'all caught anything? They answered him, no. Watch verse 6. And he, answered, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. The right, what are, you, what are you talking about, the right side of the boat? What are you talking about, the right side of the boat? These are fishermen. They're in the spot. They've, they've been fishing all night again and caught nothing again. But when they did this, so they cast. And now they were not able to draw it up it in because of the multitude of fish. Where did the fish all come from? Them fish have been running from them all night long. But at the command of the Lord. I don't care what's been running from you your whole life. I don't care what opportunities have been avoiding you your whole life. At the command of the Most High God, God is setting things up, putting things. Remember now, He, oh, Jesus, there it is. He directing your steps, and He working all things. He directing your steps, He's working all things. So when He told Him in Luke 5, launch out into the deep, He arranged all the fish. Get over there. Get over there. When He tells Him here in John 21, let down your net on the right side of the boat. He told all the fish, go right there. Well, I hope some of y'all get this by, by 3 o'clock today is going to hit you right in your gut. You're going, oh, I got it. All right, okay. Let's do this real quick here. Let me just stop lying. I'm saying real quick. Let me just, I'm going to do it as, 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 as the Lord will help me. Second thing here, Romans 8, 14. Romans 8, 14. Here, here, I'm telling you how to, how to do this here. How to walk into the prearranged prosperity here. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are, the, are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. 
So the second thing you got to do is be led by the Spirit of God. Be led by the Spirit of God. Be led. Huh? Be led. Now, what does it mean to be led? It means you're not in charge. Thank you, Holy Ghost. That means you're not behind the driver's wheel. You're being led. Now, listen to this, and this is what I was going to bring up earlier. This is so important. Write this down in your book, on your hand, on your forehead, wherever you got some space, on your phone. This is a key for you this year. Two words. Be flexible. Please write that down. Please record that for your sakes. I can remember that. I know you can remember it, but I want you to put your eyes on it when you put on your refrigerator. Put on your dashboard. Be flexible. Be flexible. Be flexible. Why? You're being led. And when you're flexible, that means I relinquish control. And I don't let my uh, preconceived notion of how things are supposed to go or how things should operate or how things should turn out dictate what I do. And I don't let my own pre-imagined picture of what the end's supposed to look like determine what I do. One of the easiest ways for me to demonstrate this, Deke, to, to, to illustrate this, rather, is to say, the person you will marry, if you're flexible, may not be the person you had on your little drawing. I'm going to come over here on this side over here. And some of you are staying single too long, not because God hasn't sent him, but because him don't look like the him you had on here. I better come back over here. Because she is not 36, 24, 36, with long hair down to her waist, and your inflexibility has kept you struggling with fornication. Ooh, God. God, God, I'm, God, I'm burning. I sent you somebody. But see, you had your ideal. God, I'm praying, I'm believing you for a car. God, I'm believing you for a car. I'm believing you for a car. I'm believing for, for a car. I'm believing for a car. And here comes a car. And because you weren't flexible, you missed out on the car that was for you that would have, at the very least, sustained you until you got there. But no, 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 no. I had in mind, Lord, now, pastor said, use my faith, be specific. Yes, be specific for the end. But when the manifestation comes, it's first the blade. Then the ear. Then the full corner in the ear. 
Y'all going to drive Rolls Royces? But it may start out with a Mitsubishi. A Kia, a Honda. Now, you know I'm not picking on those cars. They're very nice Kias and Hondas. I mean, LeBron James drives a Kia. I mean, right? That's what the man say. He drive a K9000. Don't the man say that? He drive a for the commercial he's driving. So you got to be flexible. In ministry, you got to be flexible. In marriage, you got to be flexible. Raising children, you got to be flexible. Working for somebody on their job, you got to be flexible. Well, no, my job description says this. You present somebody your job description. No, I ain't doing that because my job description says this. Be flexible. They may have you being cross-trained that God has set up for you to be trained on their dime. Be trained on their dime. To launch you into your next venture of your own. Be flexible. Oh, this, this is my vacation week right there. My vacation week is right there. What happens if God calls you to a fast and it's going to run right into your vacation? That's what I'm, I'm not religious, you know. I'm just, I'm not, I'm just not going to be religious. Well, wait a minute. What a, I'm, now, I'm not talking about a corporate fast, a pastor call. I'm talking about God tells you. I need you to fast. But God, that's my vacation week. I plan to go to New Orleans and eat beignets and mufaladas and, I mean, oh, poor boys. God, I, my mouth is just. As if God can't rearrange your vacation and pay for it. He'll rearrange it and pay for it. See, but I got to be led by the Spirit because, remember, every step, every step, is connected and consequential. And what's going to get us into this prearranged prosperity is my obedience to the Lord. Is my being led by the Spirit. I'm not driven. I'm not driven by, by, by success. I'm not driven by, by my desire to achieve. I'm not driven by anything. I'm led by the Spirit. People who are driven by something, they put themselves in control. But people who are led by the Spirit, God's always in control. No, you need to be driven. No, 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 no. That's for the world. The world is driven. You and I are led by the Spirit. In that Psalm 23, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. See? Okay, all right. One more. One more. Exodus 23, verse 20. Exodus 23 and verse 20. I mean, how did Elijah get there? He did all these things we're talking about. How are you going to get there? You got to do everything I'm talking about here. Did you hear what I just said? You got to do everything I'm talking about. 
And I purposely said, do everything I'm talking about. Because I'm going to show you something here that's very important. Exodus 23 and verse 20. Let me know when you get there. You there? Exodus 23, verse 20. Y'all be good up there. Exodus 23, verse 20. Behold, I send an angel, an angel before you. Oh, this is so good. To keep you in the way and to bring you into the place Watch this. Which I prepared. So there's a place, whether it be a physical place, a house, an apartment building, a business, a place in ministry, a place in God, a place in a new state of life. There's a place. He says, I prepare for you. And he said, but I'm going to send an angel, an angel before you. His job is to keep you in the way, to protect you and to bring you there. Now listen, this is very important. Verse 21, beware of him and what? So the last thing here is obey the voice of the Lord. Obey the voice of the Lord. Now, I'm going to add in there, this is, this is intentional, the voices of the Lord. He says, because I'm sending an angel before you. Now, here it capitalized angel, A, the Lord Jesus himself. But for us, the word angel simply means messenger. So I sent a messenger before you. The, your messenger's job, y'all looking at me? I'm your messenger. One of, but I'm, I'm, I'm your messenger. Primary, that's right, is to keep you in the way. So whatever messages that I bring are meant to keep you, protect you. I think it's Hosea 12, right around verse 13, says, by a prophet, they were brought out. By a prophet, they were preserved. So God used the voice of your man or woman of God, whoever God puts in your life, to protect you, to keep you. Hey, don't go over here. Hey, don't go over there. Hey, it's, it's, it's wolves over there. Hey, there's, there's hound dogs over there. Danger over there. No, stay in this way. Pastor, why are you so hard? I'm trying to protect you to get you. Stay in this way. Why are you saying don't do this and don't do that so you can stay in this way? Why? Because not only, not only are you being protected and preserved, but you are being brought to that place that he has prepared for you. Y'all see that here. He says, beware of him and obey him. His voice do not provoke him. For he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. My name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. Oh, Jesus. And an adversary to your adversaries. Everybody who tried to stop you, everybody who's trying to hold you up, everybody who's trying to block your way, he said, I'm going to 
I'm going to get them for you. Can you say amen? amen? For my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and I will cut them off. So we've got to learn to obey God's voice. And many times if we're not developed yet in hearing his voice personally and directly, that's why he gives voices in front of you who will speak, thus says the Lord. Are you hearing this? Samuel, second chapter of Samuel, when he first heard God's voice, he didn't know it was God's voice. He was not familiar with God's voice. He was familiar with Eli's voice. So every time he heard a voice, he ran to Eli. Because he was so accustomed to hearing Eli that when he heard a voice, the voice sounded like Eli. So until you learn, until you become familiar with God's voice and know it's God's voice. So many people come, well, pastor, how do I know if that was me? How do I know if that was God? How do I know if that was a devil? That means you don't know his voice yet. So what he does is, he says, follow the voice that you can't hear. And I'll train you on how to hear my voice. And he said, he's he going to get you to that place. And he's going to cut off everything in front of you that's holding you back. Anybody that's on your property, I'm going to cut them off. Anybody that's in your position, I'm going to cut them off. Anybody that's blocking your way, I'm going to cut them off. But you got to obey the voices that are in front of you. Y'all got this? Thank you, Lord. All right, let's read one last place here. One last place. Let's go all the way to Psalm 32, verse 8 through 11. Psalm 32, 8 through 11. Here's what God says. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will do what? I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule which have no understanding. Be a donkey. Another word I could use, don't be that. <laughs> a jackal. Which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they would not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So God's going to lead us and guide us and direct us in the way he'd have us to go. We've got to make up our minds to not resist him, resist his voice. Be stubborn. Now let's look at verse 8 and 9 in the Passion Translation and we'll quit there. Ooh-wee. Well, I got it on my paper. I'll just read that. I can read that. I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you. Instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. This is how, how, how God's doing us. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes 
as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't make it, tell your neighbor, don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn, watch this, when I take you where you've not been before. I believe we're going somewhere we've never been before. Hallelujah. Remember when the children of Israel were getting ready to cross over the Jordan River? And God said, send the priests ahead with the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. He said, make the people stand back at a distance. He says, because you've never been this way before. So since you've never been this way, you've never crossed in this manner before. Then you got to stay back so you can watch how I move. So when you and I are going to go somewhere we never, see, thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm trying to cut this off and finish. If we keep doing what we've always been doing, we'll always have what we've always had. And we'll always end up where we've always gone. But if we would just shift. I said, Lord, I don't know nothing. I don't know anything. I, I just, I need you to lead me. He says, don't be stubborn. Don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull. That sounds like dragging somebody. I'm going to just put it in my words. Don't, don't make me drag you. Just come with me. And you just come with me. I'm going to show you the prosperity that you've been working so hard at. Working your fingers to the bone, grinding, I'm grinding for it. He said, I had it over here all the time. Remember John 21, we just read that. When Jesus told disciples, cash a net on the right side of the boat because they ain't have any food. And all of a sudden they called this, this fish in the boat and Peter jumped off the boat and swam all the way to the, to the, to the shore. And the disciples, the rest of the disciples, they brought all the fish in. When they came in, you know what they found? Jesus on the beach cooking fish. Well, they were out there searching for all night. He had it on the shore already cooking. What you're searching and scratching and clawing and clamoring for and grinding for, Jesus said, just come to me. I already have everything you need, everything you want, everything you desire. I have it all right here just waiting on you. Just waiting on you. And the issue is, is that in our natural mind, I understand it, I understand it, I understand it's like nobody else. We have a hard time conceiving of the fact that God already has for me what I'm looking for. Because we're so used to, we've been conditioned by this world system. You got to work and toil. You got to make it happen. But we got to renew our minds. And just flow with the Holy Ghost. Just flow with the Holy Ghost. It might feel like you just, you know, 
We're so used to sometimes being in control of everything. Nobody likes to be out of control. We're used to everything this. God said, I can't work with your. Type A. You know. It's another word we use with people. They uh, uh, OCD. That's that's what it is. Who said autistic? I said autistic. I said <laughs> not autistic. OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Where things have to be a certain way. You do things over and over again. Boom, 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 boom. Everything is. A lot of times, people really on that autism spectrum do suffer from that kind of condition. So I understand it. But what I'm saying is, you and I got to break out of that. Break God. Let God out of your little box. Your box is too small. David said, I'm going to build God a big old house. And God said, you can build me a house, but you, you can't contain me in your little house. So if he can't contain God in a big old temple, how are you going to contain God in your little box of your little understanding? don't take anything away from this today. This whole message, two words, be flexible. Be flexible. Do I always go to this restaurant on Sundays? Be flexible. He might send you somewhere else. I don't really like that food. It ain't about the food, baby. Listen. Y'all stand up, man. I keep on preaching. In the fourth chapter of John, the woman at the well went to go get water. She never got the water. Go back and read it. Go back and read John 4. She never got the water. It wasn't about the water. It was divine arrangement. It was a hookup. It was a connection. I want to go to that restaurant. It ain't about the food. You may never get a chance to even order food. You go away so excited, you may not, may not eat the rest of the day. You're so excited about the hookup God just made for you in your life. Can y'all hear that, what I'm saying to you here? It's not just, um, I, I, I trust him. I acknowledge him. I obey his voice. Whatever he says to me, I do it. I'm led by the spirit. I'm flexible. I, I become fluent in the Holy Ghost. Some of y'all this fast, 14 days in, you having dreams like, what are you all these dreams? I'm like, what? You're hearing things and seeing things. Don't discount that stuff. You're fasting. Which means your flesh has been pushed down and your spirit man has been brought to the top. Listen to what God is showing you. Listen to what God is saying to you. That was strange. Well, you were strange. No, that was normal. In his kingdom. Faith is normal in the kingdom. Oh, they got crazy faith. Faith ain't crazy. Faith is just faith. 
Faith ain't crazy, it's just faith. But it just seems strange to us when we live these natural lives. Tell your neighbor, it's not about the food. I don't want to go to that school because that school, I don't want to go to that school. It ain't about the school. You may never even graduate from that school. But it will have been about somebody God had you meet at that school. Your future husband or wife, future business partner. There. It's all about there. I was telling a story the other day. You know, we just think about God's goodness. Remember one day, this is my wife and I were broke as a joke. Four kids to feed. And really, broke ain't funny. <laughs> None of y'all have been broke, so y'all don't know about that. Y'all laugh at broke people like us. But broke ain't funny. Nothing fun about being broke. So I don't know why we say broke is a joke. And one day, the Lord put in my heart, go over here to this, um, this uh, rehab center and visit this guy there. Okay. So I go visit this guy in the rehab center, drug rehab center. You know, if anybody ever been in a drug rehab center, you work there, it's like, it's depressing and this, uh, you know, you're kind of scared to walk on the floor. It's like, you, you were working there one time, right? It's just like, oh, boy, it's just kind of creepy, you know. Unless you're used to that environment. And I'm not used to that environment. And, uh, but the Lord told me to go. So I went. And I found out that day it wasn't about the place. There was a woman God sent who found me in the parking lot. Man of God, man of God, man of God, I've been looking for you. Really? Yes. She had a whole envelope full of Chili's gift cards. I mean, when I say envelope full, an envelope full of Chili's gift cards. God told me to give these to you. Remember your birthday party you had with our Chili's? That's how that was paid for uh, we ain't had no money. We was broke. We were broke. Broke. No money. And not only with her little party, but that's how we ate for many days. Many days. Chili's. Where are we going for eat? Chili's? Hey, call and order because we don't have the money for no tip. So call and order it. We're going to pick it up and roll. It was, I mean, it wasn't about that. It was about being... Put up Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11 in the Living Bible. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11 in the Living Bible. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11 in the Living Bible. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This is what, this, this is what it's all about. This is what it's going to be about for you. Not just the rest of this year. The rest of your life, if you do what I just taught you. Again, I looked through the, throughout the earth and saw that the, the swiftest person doesn't always win the race. No, the strongest man always win the battle. 
And that wise men are often poor. And skillful men are not necessarily famous. But it is all by chance, by happening to be at the right place. If you obey his voice, if you do whatever he tells you to do, if you remain flexible. Now, I always drive home this way. This, he may tell you don't go down 34th Street today. No, I always get gas at Shell. I don't go to Mother's Stations. I don't go to no marathon. I go to Shell. He may tell you to go to marathon today. It ain't about the gas. It's about you being in the right place at the right time. I believe the rest of this year I'm going to get testimonies of people that God, you're going to come back and say, Pastor, I was in the right place at the right time, and God had, had the hookup. God had a hookup for me. God had a hookup. Jaquetta, what if you had not gone to church that night and been disobedient? You wouldn't have got filled with the Holy Ghost, and you wouldn't have gotten them $100. You would have still had no gas. You tired of having no gas? You tired of having no rent? Tired of no, having no food? You tired of having nothing? No! Get in the right place at the right time. Follow God! Get in the right place at the right time. Amen. Y'all receive that today? Can you give God a big praise for that word today? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Say this. I hear God's voice. I obey God's voice. I'm led by the Spirit of God. I am flexible for the rest of this year and the rest of my days. Because I follow God, I will be in the right place at the right time for a divine encounter, a divine arrangement, all of my provision. All of my prosperity that's prepared for me, I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You're going to walk right into it. I see you're just going to walk right into it. You're going to bump into your husband. Did we read about Ruth this week? Oh, Lord. I said, did we read about Ruth this week? What happened to Ruth in chapter 2? She bumped into her husband. She went out into the field serving. Taking care of her mother-in-law. We're going to go out here and work. We're not going to be hungry, mama. What happened? Got out there and happened to be, the Bible says, in the part of the field that belonged to Boaz. Verse 1 of chapter 2 of, of Ruth said he was a wealthy man. Somebody going to marry a rich husband. I don't know who it is. Which one is. Nobody say nothing. It's just you. If you're going to marry, you might as well marry a rich man. And if he ain't rich, make sure he's on his way.
but Boaz found a beautiful woman who knew how to serve and knew how to work. Honorable woman, too. How did this all happen? Happened to be in the right place. The right time. And then, then when that hookup was made, she went home and told, told uh, Naomi, hey, at Boaz today. She said, ooh. She said, girl. Girl, that's the good one. That's the one we want, girl. That's the one. Then all of a sudden, that them pearls of wisdom came in. Here's what you do. You want to get that man? Bathe. Get real pretty, get real cute, and go down there to the to the threshing floor and lay on his at his feet. Don't rub on him; just lay at his feet. Don't even let him know you're there. What happened at midnight? He woke up when a man finds a wife. She didn't throw herself on him. He found a wife. And then the next morning got up. Nobody even knew she was there. Because we discreet. She didn't go out. I met Boaz, baby. Ooh. No, 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 no. God set everything up. How? Right place, right time. So this girl who was broke married the wealthiest man in town. If that didn't turn around, I don't know what is. And some of y'all wives, you're saying, well, I ain't get that. I ain't. I didn't get Boaz. Yeah, but you might have got an Isaac. Who began to prosper. Genesis 26, 12. He began to prosper. And he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Don't put him down because he's flipping burgers. Is he on time to work? Is he clean? He ain't calling in all the time? He on his way somewhere. That's enough singles advice, right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I know Jonathan getting married soon. He vowed a vow and paid it. You vow a vow and pay, you can decree it. He can just say, Lord, I want to be married this year. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Who? None of your business. None of your business. None of your business. Praise God. 
All right, I trust y'all blessed today. That's it. We've been here long enough. Everybody here born again? Everybody's born again. Anybody here not born again, I'll make sure I pray for you that you get born again today. We are four testimonies today of what happens when Jesus touches your life. And God will save you. He'll turn your life around. And whatever you have been in, stuck in, he'll bring you out of. And you'll be a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. All the joy and the things we're talking about happen to people who are walking with God. So if you're not born again, I want to make sure you get born again today. Today. All right? So if, if that's you, you say, Pastor, I want to get born again today. I, just put your hand in there. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I want you saved. I want you walking with God. Even if you don't understand how all that works. When babies are born, babies don't know what it means to be a child, to be alive. They're just born. Make this decision to be born again. God will show you the way. You fear him, serve him. He'll teach you the way and he chooses for you. So everybody's born again? Good. Now, we have to my right, Miss Elisa Goins. To my left, Miss Elisa Goins. And uh, she will help you. If you're, you're a guest and you desire to become a part of this church family, she will help you. Just lift your hands there, Elisa, so they can acknowledge you. All right, she'll help you become a part of our church.